Welcome to podcast number 36 on November 10th of 2021. My name is Ian Duncan McDonald. I am the author of several investments books. My latest investment book will be coming out in November of 2021. It is called American High Dividend Handbook. Tonight I'm going to be answering several questions from investors. I think you will find them interesting. Question number one. Do you believe in the investment principle, the highest risk, the higher potential reward? It is very similar to the saying, a fool and his money are soon parted. It is a sort of flim-flam soundbite an investment salesman uses to sell an unprofitable dog of a stock whose chances of making a profit are close to zero. Why speculate? when you can easily make money by investing in several financially strong companies who have made profits for decades, raised their dividend payments annually, and seen a steady increase in their share prices. Information that is easily verifiable before you invest. Question number two. Should investors stay away from volatile stocks. The volatility of a stock is irrelevant. What is important is the financial strength of the company. I developed a scoring system so I could sort out the strong from the weak. The software measures current prices, historical prices, operating margins, price to earnings ratios, dividend yields, book value, trading volumes, and so on. I know that speculators control share prices, but they do not control company profits. The executives of the company control the profits. When you buy a stock, you're buying into that company's culture. It is possible to buy a financially strong stock whose share price is increasing rapidly, which would define it as volatile, unfortunately, investors are more likely to get suckered into investing in financially weak stocks whose share prices are increasing rapidly, but their belief is based on the speculation that this unprofitable company has potential to eventually be profitable. They are mistaking momentum for financial strength. Value investors want to see the proof that a company can maintain a high level of profitability and this has little to do with volatility. Many investors have no idea how to determine a company's strength. That is why I write books to iron them with the tools they need to assess a company's long-term strength. While the share price of a financially strong company may drop by 50% in a market crash, like in 2008 and 2020, such companies still continue to pay their dividends from their profits throughout the crash. This can easily be proven by looking at historical records. Their prices quickly recovered to new record highs. Question number three. Would you agree 
to take a lower salary in exchange for stock options in a company. Usually stock options are given as an incentive or as a reward to a loyal employee. Are you being given a choice between a lower salary in stock options? As it may be a year before you see the cash from the stock option. If the stock price does not rise only a little then you are going to lose. The odds are that stock speculators have about a 3% chance to show a profit unless you are 100% certain that the share price will rise to great heights I think I would seek out a company that would give me both a higher salary plus stock options. Question number four. If I have two million dollars in assets should I retire at 53 years of age? I was in a similar position in my early 50s and continued working for another seven years which in retrospect was a mistake. I did not enjoy those last seven years even though I was very well paid. With two million dollars invested in financially strong companies paying high dividends you should be able to realize a dividend income around $200,000 a year. Your portfolio and income will keep on growing keeping you well ahead of inflation. You can now financially be independent. However, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? I found my pleasant niche and in a way I am far busier than when I was paid for my time. Interestingly, if instead of retiring you could continue to work and invested your dividends, you could double your portfolio in about five years. This would give you a much bigger lump sum of cash, but just how much money do you need to be happy? Money isn't everything. Question number five. Is investing a big lump sum your only option to catch up if you waited until your 50s to start investing? I was in this position in my early 50s. I suddenly realized this lump sum had to last the rest of my life. The lump sum was all that was left after an investment advisor lost 300000 of it in safe mutual funds that he had put my money into. I vowed then to never let anyone ever touch my money again. This situation forced me to become a self-directed investor. At 60 I retired. I have lived very well off the dividends in my self-directed stock portfolio ever since as I have watched the portfolio grow by more than 300 percent over the last 17 years through two market crashes. Question number six. Does absence of any major shareholders in a large public company mean that management is controlling the company and not the minority shareholders? The chief executive officer of a large public company with no major shareholders, which is typical of many public companies, does his best to stack his independent board of directors with friends who will pass whatever he proposes. Thus, 
When he decides to take the profits and have the company buy back its own shares on the open market to drive up share prices so he can make millions of dollars on his stock options, no one is there to oppose this stock manipulation. No one is there to make him pay dividends on those profits to the hundreds of thousands of shareholders. This is one reason the president of such corporations, on average, now make 340 times more than the lowest paid person they employ. It is extremely difficult, but not impossible, to add truly independent directors to a board. It requires money and time to contact thousands of shareholders and organize them to oppose the proposed slate of directors that is added in each year. Question number seven. Why do investors always want to see opportunity for upscaling a company before they will invest in an idea? People invest to make money. They do not invest so that those with ideas can realize their dreams. They want to invest $100 and make $1,000. It is a competitive world. If you cannot sell them that your idea will make them wealthy, they will go to the next in line and see if their idea has more merit. You need them. They don't need you. Question number eight. Do companies still pay dividends? I have lived very well off my dividend income for 17 years. The following is from the second chapter of my book, American High Dividend Handbook, that is due out late November 2021. Its companion book, Canadian High Dividend Handbook, was released in September of 2021. The American book tracks dividend stocks on the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ. I quote, since you are seeking only stocks that pay dividends, choose the dividend selector within the selector select dividend yield. This is the dividend percent paid by 2,903 U.S. traded companies paying dividends at the time I did this search. It is still too many to work with. To reduce this number, an option exists with this selector to set a minimum and maximum dividend percent for your search. This raises the question of what is the minimum dividend yield percent you would need to give you enough income to live well on? Although the inflation rate for the last decade has been running around 1.8%, the average over the last century has been 3.5%. To be safe, set minimum dividend income percent at 3.5%. This reduces the number of dividend-paying stocks to 1,430. It is still too many to work with. Dividend percentages of stocks are not set in stone. They fluctuate. For example, in September of 2020, several of the banks were displaying dividend percentages between 6% and 7%. 
In 2019, their dividend percentage had been between 3% to 5%. What accounts for such a fluctuation? The 2020 stock market crash caused bank shares to drop significantly. This had nothing to do with their profitability or operating margins. Dividend payments are not directly related to a share price. Question number nine. What is a simple, effective stock portfolio management mythology? What I start with is a quest to find the most financially strong company that pays the best dividend. There are 16,001 stocks easily available in North America for investors. To give me some diversification, I want the 20 best for my portfolio. It is easy using stock selectors like dividends, paid, and operating margins to get the search down to fewer than 100. Then it is a matter of using stock scoring software to grade the 100 and pick out the best 20. The following is from my book, American High Dividend Handbook. There is a page in it for every stock on the New York Stock Exchange and the NASDAQ that pays a dividend over 3.5%. Using Enbridge as an example, this would be the following from the Enbridge page. On the 15th of May, the stock price was $47.20. This gave it a subscore of 8. The subscores are graded from 0 to 10. The price four years ago was $52, giving it a subscore of 9. The current to historical price comparison for the two numbers was 5. The stock's book value, $30.29, provided a subscore of 8. Book price to book value comparison scored 0. The analyst buy ratings, there were nine suppliers reporting a buy recommendation, gave it a subscore of five. The analyst strong ratings gave it a score of three. Dividend yield of 7.08% gave it a subscore of eight. The stock's operating margin of 21.34% gave it a subscore of 5. The daily shares traded 16,508,000, gave it a subscore of 10. The price to earnings ratio of 15.1 scored 9. When you add up all these subscores, you end up with 70. There are very few stocks that score over 70. I've only scored one that scored as high as 78. Historical stock prices and dividend payments, month, day, year, dividends, and stock price is another thing that appears in the page. What is interesting for this stock is that it is now paying 83 cents dividend. Back in 2016, it was paying 53 cents. Back in 2011, it was 24 cents. And back in 2001, its dividend payout was $0.09. Cents. What's interesting 
as well is that the price now of $49.86 is down slightly from 2016, which is $52.09. And in 2011, you had to pay $31.36 to buy Enbridge. Back in 2001, you could buy it for $10.30. This information, when you look at it and you compare it to hundreds of other stocks, indicates that this is the kind of financially strong stock you want to have in your portfolio. Question number 10. Why should you never invest in a stock based on the expected prosperity of a sector or industry it is in? You can determine how financially strong a company is by looking at its historical share price, book value, operating margin, dividend yield payouts, average volume of shares traded, and so on. You cannot do this with a sector because a sector is made up of many companies who compete with each other. While one company may have the ability to dominate the sector and garner the highest market share, the losers in the sector struggle to make a profit if they make one at all. This is one reason I do not invest in funds because with hundreds of stocks in the typical fund, I know because I have scored every stock in some funds that the weak ones pull down the benefits of the strong ones and reduce your chances to realize an exceptional profitable return. Building a portfolio of 20 carefully chosen diversified strong stocks will outperform the typical fund where the fund manager is just trying to match the average in the sector to keep his job. It comes down to being able to score stocks so you can rank them in order of strength. Question number 11. My father loaned me $20,000 to invest in high cap stocks. I went to the casino and lost it all on roulette. What should I tell him if he asked me what stocks I bought? Your father probably knows you better than you think he does. He may have been testing you as he sits there trying to decide what to do with his estate. He probably expected you to do exactly what you did, which would verify to him that if you got more money, you would do the same thing again. I think you have just blown your inheritance. He would be better off leaving it to some charity. You may as well tell him he was right. Never should have trusted you with $20,000. Question number 12. Why do so many people think investing in the stock market is a scam? I think the word scam is too harsh. It is a BS industry full of individuals whose primary objective, under the cloak of benefiting you with their supposed expertise and knowledge, is to legally separate you from as much of your money as they possibly can. Their expertise is usually a bit more than the naive investor who has fallen into their web. To separate you from your money under the guise of helping you, they do not need to gain much investment expertise, just enough to gain your trust. The more potential money you have, the harder they will work at appearing to be your new best friend. You are the only one who is not in the game being played. 
They have been taught which hot buttons to push to instill a fear of you ever having to acquire enough knowledge and discipline to ever try investing without their professional help to guide you. This isn't hard because they see every investor as greedy, lazy, gullible, and probably a bit stupid. They flaunt with such certainty the magic carrot of quick, easy wealth. When wealth fails to materialize, they have memorized a hundred pet sound bites to explain that this is just the way the market is and wealth is just around the corner. If you ever catch on that the wealth train is never going to arrive and you dump them, they move on to the next prospect with the expectation of losing 20% of their clientele every year they're always working on converting hundreds of prospects to customers. It is just part of a never-ending game. Investing isn't a scam. It is just salesmen doing what salesmen do. Trust no one. Become a knowledgeable, self-directed investor. Put in the hours of hard work that are required to learn how to invest safely and well. Always remember there is no such thing as a free lunch and that anyone who wants your money for investment purposes is not your friend. Finally, last question, 13. Is making money in the stock market a sin? My quick answer was, I think it is a sin to lose money in the stock market. Thanks for listening. If you wish more information on investing and stock scoring, please visit my website, www.saferbetterdividendinvesting.com.